You're listening to Graphic Novel Explorers Club Podcast, an audio book club. Greetings, Explorers. I'm one of your hosts, Johnny, joined by... Dennis. And... Aubrey. Today we are discussing Batman Zero Year by writers Scott Snyder and James Tenyon IV and artist Greg Capullo. We hope you've read today's title because all three of us have read the book, so beware, spoilers, ahead. Become an official explorer by joining our Patreon group. Explorers get early access to episodes, specials, polls, discussions, and other extras. Graphic Novel Explorers Club is available wherever fine podcasts are found, including YouTube, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review. That's right, Explorers. We're looking at Batman Zero Year by writers Scott Snyder and James Kagandafoth. Art by Greg Capullo. Inker Danny Mickey. Colorist FCO Placencia. I don't know if that's FISO Placencia or FCO. Um, or that's his title. He's like financial chief officer instead of chief financial officer. <laughs> Letters are Nick J. Napolitino. And Steve Wands, and it was published by DC in June of 2013 to July of 2014. I thought this was a newer book. I didn't realize it was that old already. Yeah, actually, it's a weird thing where I'm, I'm a big fan of Snyder and Capullo's work. Uh, obviously, on this podcast, we read their Elseworld title, which sort of uh, tells the last tale of this universe, which was Last Night on Earth. And it's episode 81. And they their run is amazing i i i wasn't a fan of the new 52 when it started at dc but their comic was the first one i bought for the new 52 and i've been hooked ever since but oddly enough this year zero took place mid-run it was a a big much to do in terms of the storyline it was like a whole year's worth of a story where they went back and retold the origin of this particular batman as well as uh, a few tie-in comics, I believe, where they did a, a whole year zero where people were meeting Batman for the first time. Those aren't encapsulated in this volume, but they decided recently to basically take out this particular story arc and make it its own comic like trade, whereas normally it's been embedded in the traditional Batman trades. Because it is, I think it starts with like issue, I forget, 26, 27, I forget where. Is, is this the main continuity or is this like a side continuity? no this is the main what they call earth prime and uh oh, really it, yeah. the the last night on earth is technically an else world that uses this main continuity but then tells a hypothetical ending of that universe oh, which actually Fuck makes it kind shit. of tragic especially <laughs> looking at the, the very beginning of how batman is and how bruce wayne is and seeing how he turns out spoilers and becomes omega and becomes so jaded towards uh human civilization to, to see those yeah it becomes an authoritarian yeah dictator, of course you know leader. we listen to our our review of that issue i did have problems with how quickly humanity devolved and and thus made a jaded bruce wayne because i don't think a bunch of regular people would just go and beat up batman well <laughs> let's skip out because this book is long <laughs> well yeah there's no uh, way we're going to be able to go over it uh, in yeah, a traditional yeah. sense and then James Tenyon, the fourth sidetrack over here, wrote Something is Killing the Children, which we reviewed in episode 77. We all, we really like that one a lot, too. So Aubrey wasn't there for that one. But. Well, Aubrey, this, we, we did Batman last night on Earth with you. And then this is, I guess, the genesis of that Batman. What, what did you think of the two as bookends, I guess? Oh, in comparison? Yeah, I don't, I, I wouldn't even start to compare them, I think. 
for exactly the reason that that Dennis said, although I didn't know that last night is considered else world and this one isn't. But th this one I feel was a lot more grounded and it definitely felt like it took place in the the same universe that we're used to with most of our Batman storylines, even if it did take a totally different path because he actually becomes the Batman much later in life. But it still felt grounded in like the original Batman universe to me. Yeah, and the three arcs, by the way, just going back to what I said, Secret City is the first arc, Dark City is the second arc, and then Savage City is the third one. Well, the story concerns uh, a Batman in his early career. I see, that's why, it's like, how many times does this crap have to get reset? And he's coming back to Gotham. They, he was presumed dead. His uncle, Philip Kane, from his mother's side, had him declared dead. And Philip when Kane, he died... Which I thought, I thought it was fun that they gave him the last name of, of Bob Kane. Yeah, I thought that was a play in that too, but I guess that's Martha's maiden name, I guess. I don't know, but I, I thought that was kind of, yeah, I thought maybe is that a homage to Bob Kane? Because it didn't, he didn't pop up. That's a new thing, right? This character, Philip Kane, is new. Yeah, to this series. And he, even though it was Uncle Phil, he kept, Bruce kept calling him Bobby, kept calling him Bobby Kane. <laughs> I, I will but say that happen. I was a bit confused by this premise that Uncle Kane had declared Bruce dead legally. Yet, uh, when he comes back, everyone welcomes him back. They're like, oh, great, he's returned to the city. However, in other lore, whatever you take it, usually he's disappeared. You know, he's gone on a journey. People know he's left Gotham, and he simply just returns. The prodigal son returns. However, in this case, he's supposed to be dead, but no one actually questions that part. Like, where were you? What happened? How come you didn't Wait, you know, yeah, come to Gotham do. sooner? Do they? I don't remember that part. <laughs> well, because they have people, they have like a bunch of people out looking for him, both villains and good guys looking for him, including Dr. Death's son was was one of the people hired to go look for him. So they kind of You're didn't right. know he was dead for sure. They were all, everyone was traveling the world trying to find him. And then his uncle That's was right. just like, nah, he's dead. Stop looking for him. You're right. I forgot about Dr. Death's son and then that whole thing. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, this book is long. It's I did not keep track. I took notes and I still couldn't keep track of everything. The trade book that, which is what we read, is three hundred ninety pages. I mean, some of that's filler at the end, but it's still an incredibly long book. Well, it's unusual to have an event like this so long, so many issues. I mean, it was a whole year's worth of stuff. Whereas normally we see like maybe three or four issues in a, in a story arc. Yeah, it's very dense, not just in length, because sometimes you can have something that's very long and, and doesn't and necessarily cover like a whole lot of ground. But this covers so many phases of Bruce's life. Like there's a lot of attention given to this like pre-Batman period. I think it was 100 pages because I remember it was at about page 100 when I finally realized like, oh, he's not Batman yet. <laughs> it took me that long to realize like, oh, this is just... <laughs> some guy named Bruce and he hasn't even come into his bat own yet. Yeah, there's there were several times where I'm like, oh, this because they wouldn't tell you it's a Bruce Wayne story until it was almost over. And I'd be like, oh, this was a Bruce Wayne story. Okay. Just those little interstitials that they threw in there. But yeah, so it's basically this retelling of Batman's origin. Him and um what's the butler's name? I can't Alfred. remember the butler's name. Alfred seemed to be at odds for a good portion of the story. 
they finally see head to head. I kind and I and then Gordon, well, he's not commissioner at this time, and him. I feel like Gordon figures out who he is much earlier than Gordon usually does, which is usually at the end of Batman's career. Wait, did he figure out who he was? I thought he. I mean, he kept like saying, and then Batman swooped in, and no, that that's that's the funny clueless part. But he sees Bruce Wayne returning and Batman coming into be to be the reason why he wants to fight the corruption, but he doesn't put two and two together that they happen to coincide with appearing at the same time. Yeah. So, but see, I thought that's why he took his glasses off when he was on the boat after he rescued him from uh, when he got set up by the Riddler. He was doing that because he was like, oh, I know you don't want me to know oh, okay. who you are. So here, take to get the poison mm. out of your eyes and I'll take my glasses off so I won't even be able to see you. Oh, see, I took that as him like, you know, I can't really see without my glasses, even though I know who the hell you are. But <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. And there's a lot of seeds of characters that are planted here. Like Dr. Death is this, that's a new character, right? Mm -hmm. Dr. Death is like bone growth. Dr. Death is the first Batman villain ever, wasn't he? Was he? Yeah, like 1939. Oh. oh. Or maybe they repurposed the character. Yeah, I don't remember that one. Yeah, he's like a different. I mean, the, the name and the general concept of like a super smart guy, scientist guy. But like, it's not, oh. I'm sure the design is very different, probably. Oh. Not the bone. Yeah, this Dr. Death created a serum that's supposed to make bones. It's almost like a, it makes you impervious to injuries because your bones will instantly react and creates all these growths. The bones can't stop growing, basically. And then Aubrey brings up a good point. I mean, there's a lot of homages to and Easter eggs to Batman's history throughout the time period. Oh, for Whether sure. The, 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 the giant penny, penny, yeah. Yeah, the purple gloves, which harkens back directly to the 1939 appearance. Yeah, so it wouldn't surprise me. When he's capturing that one guy around the head, and he's like swinging on the rope, that's like that famous early image Helicopter of Batman death. saving someone. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant the famous image of when he drags someone to death from a helicopter. No shark repellent, though. <laughs> Yeah, they did, and then they <laughs> had no a, They had an iconic shot that looked like it was straight from The Dark Knight Returns, as well. Where uh, oh, with the lightning yeah, strike. Exactly. Does anyone know if Duke, the the little boy at the end, was he going to be like a Robin character? Was that a reference or something? It just felt like Duke felt like a very significant character. I believe Duke becomes well one of the worst names in. <laughs> In Batman history, I believe, if, if I remember correctly, he's the Signal. So that's that's what they call him, the Signal. He still wears a bat symbol, but he's not a Robin. He's specifically not a Robin, but he becomes the Signal. And then I think his brother becomes, uh, I think, Batwing. So yeah, but Duke is specifically the Signal. So he is part of the Bat family. Nice. It's <laughs> yeah. I I'm so tired of Batman. <laughs> I love Batman, but I think Johnny Johnny seems very overwhelmed. <laughs> I just it like I don't see how any writer could enjoy writing for Batman. You're so you're so boxed in on what you can do. Okay, well his parents die. All right, well let me see if I can come up with some new angle on that. And then he's got vengeance in his heart. You know what do you? It's just. What is this? Almost a hundred years of this shit. <laughs> I I loved it. I loved how the twisty turns and convoluted stuff. 
But I think really what made me love it is just that the writing and the art were so good because there's so much leniency. If you can just write good dialogue, like make it sound cool and yet make it make sense. I have so much leniency for for good dialogue, good logical dialogue with good art. Then you can tell all kinds of crazy stories with that. And I think this is a really solid, just really when I think of like classic comic book vibes this is what i think of i'm not faulting snyder and, and tenya the fourth um i just i i'm just bored with the character like there's no there's nothing new in this it's just plays on things it's it's like a fan service it's it's just a continuing fan service series you could say that about any long lasting series but i just oh yeah for sure i i always enjoy batman comics i think they're always a good read I, I love the art. I love looking at all his different gadgets and different Batmobiles. And I feel like every writer brings something different. Like this isn't such a brooding, brooding Bruce Wayne. I don't know. It's it's a different, younger Bruce Wayne that uh, I enjoyed. And and it was just a different angle. Like when he says yeehaw when he's riding that guy down the stairs. Right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, uh, 80s Batman would never have done that. 80s, 90s Batman would have never yelled yeehaw on someone's back. <laughs> I thought there was a lot of uh, really new things in this, including the sexual tension between Alfred and Bruce. <laughs> 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 I'm mostly joking, but I think that's going to yeah. become my running thing is just finding the sexual tension between the portrayed heterosexual characters. So for behind the scenes, Aubrey had texted us an image <laughs> of after bruce i think it was after the ace chemical battle with uh when he created the joker he's like oh yeah i got acid on my shoulder something like that he's like it's the first kiss from gotham city and he's he's shirtless and all beefy and ripped and and alfred's tending to his wound he's like yes the first kiss (laughs) it doesn't look like he's tending to his womb he just has like, there's no visible wounds on Bruce, and Alfred just comes up and just places his hands on his bare skin. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I think he's supposed to be checking him for wounds or something like that. But yes, it looks, he's like, yes, first kiss. And then <laughs> Bruce, Bruce is, is like, like, what? Wait, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> and Alfred's like, nothing, nothing, nothing. Nothing, sir, nothing. <laughs> I've just, I just want you inside me. That's it. <laughs> On a, on a slightly more serious note, I do think that Alfred gets not enough credit for making Batman who he is. I mean, geez, he figured out so much stuff when he was talking about the bones and the chemical analysis and all the research he did. I was like, well, shit, Bruce was like, oh, yeah, thanks. And I was like, Alfred did all the heavy lifting for all that great detective work and you got all the credit. Yeah. Oh, and like every Batman thing that exists, Alfred is treated basically like a woman, like the woman who has to clean up after all the man's messes, but doesn't get any of the credit (laughs) or any rest from it. Well, and even harking back to Last Night on Earth, he's the one who decides, you know what, Bruce has gone out of control. I'm going to make a clone and then, you know, fight the other Bruce Wayne. And so it's really, Alfred's really the hero of the story. He is. I agree. He's also the one who's got all the. He's like Jack London of job. Like he's had so many jobs. He's like when I was a field surgeon or I was tending to wounded soldiers, I was the best one. He must have been a medic or something like that. But then another point, he's like, he worked. He was like a lumberjack or something, and 
It's like, how the fuck did you become a butler? <laughs> uh, that's a more interesting story, origin story I would like to see is how, how he got that job. Well, that was in this, which I don't think I've ever seen before. And I think it's the first time that that idea has ever been introduced also. At the very end of the book, they have like a flashback to when Bruce selects Alfred as his butler and he's a homeless person like begging for money on the set and the streets and that and he's like hey i need a butler you look you look good i forgot about that alfred's you origin story <laughs> yeah how did he become homeless well Typical, he was, you know he's like he a, a vet he's a war veteran yeah, exactly yeah like there's a huge proportion of homeless people are vets i i did like i there was one thing one story in this i really enjoyed was uh the origin of jim gordon's coat like the story oh, yeah. behind that, I thought was a really interesting. That was that was one part. I was like, oh, that was really good. Well, it's always interesting to see Jim Gordon struggle in the early days, considering how corrupt Gotham is, and why. What motivates a person to actually stick around and try to fight that when there's so much against you and you have a family? It's one thing if you're like Batman, you don't have any loved ones, and so no one's really uh, good going to pay for your actions but he has a wife and kid kids and so you know trying to fight up against that kind of corruption when you have things that can be used against you is kind of dangerous well it's like that thing when people i was like well if you don't like it here move and it's that's so hard to do it's so hard to just be like all right i'm gonna move <laughs> you know it's a lot harder than people think it is just be like oh, i'm moving i'm just gonna move to a whole new city well, i don't know though you know if i lived in gotham and i saw metropolis across the bay i'd be like you know what i think we're gonna go where it's sunny all the time <laughs> <laughs> that's true if you can literally see it <laughs> i mean that's a pain just to look over the bay and it's like oh my gosh there's metropolis <laughs> But you're going to make those sweet Metropolis dollars, but live in Gotham because the housing's so much cheaper. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's like Sacramento and San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. What, one thing that really rubbed me the wrong way in this book, you know, no one ever says, you know what, that rubbed me the right way. That's never a <laughs> saying. <laughs> oh, I'm going to write that down to use next time. This book rubbed me the right no, way. No, that rubbed me the right way. <laughs> Did you read it? No, I didn't. It just rubbed me the right way. <laughs> it's it's weird to me that in these comics, it's okay for people to fall in vats of acid or chemicals. Or, I mean, it's not okay, but it's okay to be portrayed. All this death and physical harm. But Bruce Wayne can't flip people off. Like, they censored his middle finger. Or there's another time when he said, God damn. And it was, there was a big censor. The word censor was put over it. I just, it, that's a, I just found it. I just, it's so weird to me that that's okay. Like the, the Batman movie got, you know, came out that it was going to be PG 13 and it shows, I, f I forget the actor's name is playing him. Uh, Sparkle diamonds, vampire. He is like beating the shit out of someone on the ground and that's okay. But Whatever they couldn't show him having sex, that's rated R or cussing would be considered rated R. But you can show like intense physical violence between two people, and that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I'm getting cantankerous in my old age. You have the Comics Code Authority and the Puritan Foundations of America to thank for that. Because like sex is the worst thing that there is. 
When it comes to profanity, though, I think that the the thing where it's censored, goddamn, I think that was just for fun. I feel like I don't think they had to censor that. I felt like it was like a callback or something because it was very like goofy looking where it says like censored. It even has an exclamation mark. They could have made like an editorial decision to either do the, you know, pound symbol at symbol thing or just change the dialogue. So I agree with Aubrey that it was a stylistic choice to specifically do that to kind of emphasize, you know, if you just see a swear word, honestly, it's kind of like when you hear a song and they bleep things or they bleep dialogue. Sometimes it sounds even worse when they bleep it than when you hear the word because like, oh, okay, so you said the F word, big deal. But when they they do the loud beep and it kind of puts like an almost a a spotlight on on what the word should be, it, it, it just for comedic effect or, or artistic effect, it, it just seems to emphasize it more. So, yeah, I would agree with Aubrey completely. No, see, I think they had fun with having to be censored. I don't think they were having fun with censoring. I thought Maybe. they I think they were having fun with the fact that they were censored. Anyway, I just I just it, it just blows my mind that the human body's problematic, but violence upon violence is okay. Yeah. For sure. This universe or Scott Snyder's run is over, correct, Dennis? With all this? Mm-hmm. He's they've come back together to do some other things like uh, DC death metal and such, but pretty much his run is over. And that's the zombie one, right? Uh, death metal, no. That's deceased is what you're thinking of, oh. is the zombie <laughs> one. Death metal involves the Batman who laughs, who is basically Bruce Wayne, who gets exposed to the Joker virus and becomes the worst villain of his universe. He ends up killing everyone in his universe and then goes oh, that's and right. hunts that's other right. Batman. Batman. Is it Batmen for plural or Batmans? Batmen. Well, they're not always men, actually. To be honest, they're not always men. There's one, the Drowned, who was a Batwoman. So they're not all men. Batman is actually the species, so it's just like human. You don't say Hugh woman. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, uh, final thoughts on the uh, on the comic. I know we didn't really get too deep into stuff well i mean there's just way too much story saying what the fuck i hate i hate batman (laughs) who's harvey dead no (laughs) yeah i i just absolutely loved it it's like everything that i like about batman and then it was super fun because they weren't telling the same story over again they were telling this whole new story where he didn't become batman until like well into much further into his adulthood and there's this whole different storyline about it you get a hundred pages where he's not batman yet and there's sexual tension with alfred (laughs) (laughs) and uh wait what else what else is very the ending you oh the ending made me cry i had to like suck my tears back in before i got onto the call the ending there's a really cool thing with the ending where you briefly get to explore the alternate universe where Batman doesn't have to be Batman. And that's like a running thing throughout it is that Alfred is what's actually happening when he fondles his muscles and is thinking about first kiss is he's thinking about the fact that Bruce never probably got to have a first kiss because if he did have a first kiss, he might pursue this whole other like normal life. If you got a taste of what like just being a normal, non-tortured, traumatized, obsessive person would be like so at the end you briefly explore this like alternate path that he could have had but he's 
uh, he's taken. His his wife is is fighting crime in Gotham. You know, I just had a thought. Are <laughs> <laughs> are Bruce Wayne and Michael Jackson on parallel? What? Hear me out. <laughs> so, Michael Jackson, by all accounts, his dad was a terrible abuser. You know, and basically robbed him of his childhood. You know, made him perform, made him get up on stage. You know, kept him from people. Was very manipulative and controlling. Now that wasn't Bruce Wayne's growing up, but Bruce Wayne had this traumatic experience that, like, basically, kind of arrested him. It's like arrested development. Bruce Wayne is. I, I would not be surprised if Bruce Wayne in reality was like a virgin. You know, <laughs> didn't know how to talk to people, and and um, you know, I'm just I see maybe like some parallels between the two, like these ultra rich people who didn't know how to function in society had these traumatic things happen to him when they were younger. And um, yeah, so someone needs to write a story where Bruce Wayne has a, uh, a Neverland. No, I don't want the story where <laughs> Batman's a pedophile. Yeah. No, thank you. We don't have to tell all the stories. Not that part of it. Not all that part. Just the, uh, <laughs> just, you know, just like these stunted people. They're stunted people. Well, that's always yeah. been the argument well, about is. Batman and Bruce Wayne. I mean, yeah, if he just had therapy once, He'd probably be a, a lot okay. I mean, admittedly, seeing your parents get shot is traumatic, but a lot of people go through a lot of trauma and they don't necessarily become, you know, vigilantes for life and totally shut themselves off and decide to spend millions of their dollars on high-tech equipment instead of building infrastructure within their city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that was another thing I, I thought was like, do you guys know who uh, Mark Davis is? He is the owner of the Raiders. And for those who don't, listeners who don't know who he is, look up Mark Davis. He's the son of Al Davis, who was the old gargoyle that used to own the Raiders. <laughs> Mark, Mark Davis has this ridiculous bowl haircut. But it looks like he cuts his hair himself. Like he just combs it down and cuts it himself. <laughs> and I was like, what if that's what Bruce Wayne looked like? Like nobody... <laughs> <laughs> like if he wasn't a handsome a handsome man if he was just like a fugly weird looking ultra rich guy that owned a you know that owned all this shit had all this money was like, yeah. yeah well you know honestly once again alfred to the rescue because alfred gives bruce his haircut so if he didn't have alfred he would give himself <laughs> a haircut and he probably would look like that <laughs> He'd have the Mark Davis <laughs> bowl haircut. Yeah, do yourself a favor. Go do a deep dive on Mark Davis's haircuts. It's it's uh it's a thing of it is it is a train wreck. Like you just can't look away. You're like, you have so much money. How does this happen? How how do you how are you it's like Donald Trump? How are you permitted to have hair like that when you're that rich? That's how you get rich. You save you don't you don't eat avocados and you cut your own hair. <laughs> yep. So, uh, what, <laughs> what about you, Dennis? What were your thoughts uh, Aubrey on the book? summed up my thoughts because she stole my notes. So thanks, Aubrey. But no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I, I thought it was a great book. Uh, I love the run. So there's nothing bad I can say about it. Art is, you know, 110% awesome. Writing solid. I always enjoy their team ups. It, it's a great book. I wouldn't necessarily start with this book. I would definitely start reading from start to finish their run, which is, encompasses quite a number of volumes. It's fantastic. And then, yeah, cap it off with uh, Last Night on Earth and then listen to our podcast regarding that. But yeah, amazing. 
Well, all right. Where can people follow you, Aubrey, if they want to do that? You can follow me at Mixtape Majesty on Instagram and Twitter, or you can follow my podcast, Bring Your Own Popcorn, at Bring Popcorn Pod on Twitter, Bring Your Own Popcorn on Instagram. And Dennis, where can people follow this podcast? On Insta and Twitter, at GN Explorers Club. Cool. Bye.